Welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for November 17, 2016. It's just me today, uh, Cameron Walsh, as Ryan and I are having difficulty attempting to find a time slot that actually fits for the two of us. He's had a change in his uh, work schedule and the 13 hour time zone difference now with the change of daylight savings uh, over there in the States has certainly made things a little bit difficult for us. Um, today we've got a special guest, uh, Matt Larkin from the Hockey News. Um, we'll be discussing uh, the suspensions um, and the Department of Player Safety. As you'll know, uh, it's something that I uh, discuss and, and write, write a lot about. Uh, it's a pretty good conversation, I have to admit. Uh, Matt and I think reasonably similarly. Um, not that that was why I got him on. I honestly uh, read a couple of his pieces and wasn't particularly sure if we'd agree with as much as we did. Uh, however we did, it, it's it's a pretty good chat, it's only about 20 minutes, we were lucky to get that much time from, from Matt uh, in his busy schedule, so uh, that was that was really good. Uh, as for our schedule, um, it'd be really nice for us to try and lock something down, but it's heading into that uh, busy time of year, uh, Christmas-wise, and with Ryan's schedule changing, um, hopefully we'll get a little bit more consistent uh, when we hit December. Um, so we'll, we'll see how we go and we'll actually have a chat with everything with, that's been going on. We've got a few teams that are surprising us in a good way and in a bad way. We've had a couple of injuries lately, which has sort of sucked. Stamkos, Hall and Johnny Goodrow out, all three highly skilled players and players you'd like to see on the ice, so you, you hate to see those injuries. Um, but apart from that, uh, with the fact that it's just me flying solo today, we'll um, stop hearing the... Uh, Aussie accent and uh, move into having uh, Matt Larkin on the podcast. Hope you enjoy. It's good. We're in the swing of thing with the season and there's plenty of controversy, plenty to discuss. So it's the fun time of year. It certainly is. Um, I suppose with what I've explained to everyone prior, prior to the podcast, we're going to discuss suspensions and, and your opinion and my opinion on, on what's been going on. Uh, I suppose a, a good place to start would be the, the GM meetings that, that just occurred. Um, not really a lot of agreement on, on what is and isn't a good hit. That's right. Uh, it's very tough, and the real sticking point right now is the concept of blindside hits. And the example that's fresh in everyone's mind is Nazem Kadri's hit on Daniel Sedin. And this is a problem we've seen often over the years with various player safety issues. Um, it's when it becomes a problem when there's a rule that does not exist. We see something that we think just doesn't look right, but what a lot of people don't understand is if there's not a rule policing a certain type of play, the player safety department cannot actually make a ruling or suspend a player based on that because they have to do what, what, what works within the confines of the collective bargaining agreement. So an example I always use for people is uh, the famous hit about six years ago. It was Matt Cook on Mark Savard pretty much ended Mark Savard's career. Horrible predatory hit. A lot of controversy at the time because because Matt Cook was not suspended. But the reason why he wasn't suspended was Rule 48.1, a legal check to the head, had not been amended to police that type of hit in which a player targets the head. So there was nothing that the player safety department could actually do legally. They could not enforce a rule that did not exist. And that is what applies to the Nazem Kadri hit on Daniel Sedin. Kadri was not suspended. It certainly looked like a dirty hit. It looked it looked predatory. Um, for, from a subjective, subjective standpoint, I think a lot of us didn't like it. 
um, but there's still nothing that the league could do about it. But the reason why it's being discussed now at GM meetings is there's talk of amending the rule, trying to define what constitutes blindside hit. And if, if the league and, and the GMs can come to an agreement, maybe we, we will see a rule amendment that will police that type of hit in the future. So with the Matt Cook hit obviously being like direct contact to the head, is the argument with the Kadri hit basically that it was shoulder first, head second? Because when I, I've watched that clip three or four times and I can see that the shoulder is a point of contact, but it's not the main point of contact. You can make the argument it's the primary point of contact, but you look at that hit and he had one intent only and that wasn't to get the puck. That was to inflict as much damage as possible on Sedin as he possibly could, which he did. I don't understand. Like That's as predatory as you can, as you can get, I think. I, 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 for the most part, I do agree. I mean, I, I really think if I, if I just strip aside what I know in terms of league rules and how do I emotionally feel about the hit, yeah, I didn't like it. I, I think it was dirty, and I agree. I think Kadri was trying to put a, a pretty big lick on Daniel Sedin. Uh, what I don't necessarily agree with was the point of contact. And a lot of people see players' head snap back on a hit, and they assume that means the head was targeted. But if, if you look at your just your basic physics, if someone shoves you in the chest – it's going to cause your neck to whip and your head's going to whip afterward, right? So I do think that the principal point of contact on that hit was not the head. It was the shoulder and body first. And the league pays a lot of attention to that. They they don't get swayed by watching a player's head snap. And it does suck. It's unfortunate when a player's head snaps and, and you can still easily be concussed by that, that head snapping motion. It's not fun to see. But at the same time, while the league tries to police as many hits as it can, it doesn't want to take hitting out of the game. And no matter what we do, no matter how strict we are on the rules, as long as we have hitting in hockey, there are always going to be plays where there's incidental contact that does shake the head and can cause concussive injuries. So the argument then is, I suppose in the general manager's meeting, is is that the type of hit you want to have in the game? I don't think there's anything tough or brave about what Kadri did. Sedin's in, in a vulnerable position attempting to score, and he had no intent to try and collect the puck. He had no intent on, on trying to make a play on, on his stick. It was purely intentional out to go and just nail him. And it's like, if you're going to do that and you do it in a situation where the player has no chance to defend himself in a hockey play, I don't see why that sort of hit is worth having in the game. And I couldn't agree more with you, Cameron. It's one of those where I understand, and I've discussed this with the league personally as well, I understand why the hit wasn't suspended, but I didn't like it. And I sort of, it's a joke I use, I call it the oh, come on defense. And what I mean by that is, okay, yes, legally, we know Kadri did not break a rule, but oh, come on, that was a dirty hit. It was predatory. Um, so, of course, I would like to see some type of ruling that polices that type of hit more. Uh, it's not going to be easy, though, and, and I've been told this. I spoke to some executives um, around the league, and the problem is with a blindside hit, it's very subjective. How do we know exactly? We, we think we know We think we think know that Daniel Sedin did not see Nazem Kadri coming. Can we prove it? We can't, right? You can prove things by watching video. You can see an elbow hit a guy in the jaw, and you know a head is targeted. You can see a player leave his feet. You can see his skates lift off the ice. We know it's charging. But we can't prove that a player did or did not see uh, a hit coming, right? So even though I, I'm in agreement with you, Cameron, I, I want to see that hit police. I want it out of the game. I'm still – I'm not 
extremely optimistic that we're going to find a, a perfect solution just because blindside hits are very subjective to define. Just determine an angle. Just say if it's 15 degrees behind the guy's eyes that the, the direction comes from, it's a blindside hit. Or pick an angle that you go, there is no human way an eye in the corner of uh, an eyeball in the corner of somebody's eye is going to be able to see that come along. That was the thing that was so terrible about the Matt Cook hit. He had one thing on his mind, and Matt Cook being Matt Cook made an absolute mess of, of Savard. And the fact that there's still some grey area in this particular situation. Like, Sedin could have been concussed, one, from the whiplash just from his head movement, and two, from his head smashing on the ice. I mean, it's just one of those things where the head hitting the ice is a secondary event to the hit. But it's a hit that doesn't have to be in the game and it wouldn't take away from the physical nature of what this sport has. Uh, and, and hey, you're preaching at the choir, Cameron. I, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. I think I think where where you and I are not quite on the same page is just uh, I'm I'm less optimistic than you are. I, I think it's if we can find a way to define it. But again, like what you're talking about degrees i mean we can define a late hit the league does define late hits because they actually have time stamps they use a specific point a specific number of seconds i think it's 0.5 or something like that to define a late hit you can define a charge you can define an, a contact to the head you can see it but i mean i don't know if we have the camera technology yet to identify a player's peripheral vision and i mean i, I long for the world in which we do if, if we can find a way to make it work then excellent i'd love to see that um but i i I'm skeptical for now. I, oh, I, you, I'm skeptical, but I am. Your skepticism is, is accepted and, and definitely real because they can't even determine when a putt goes across the line. So if I'm wanting them to try and get at least the basics <laughs> right, asking them to try and get angles on blindside hits is probably asking a little much. Yeah, I guess I guess it's true. It's a good point about if they, if they don't, if they can't, they still can't perfectly define a puck going over the line that we've got a long way to go but at the same time um i'm i am encouraged i'm very encouraged that so soon after the hit um that it, the blindside hits became a topic at the gm meetings to me i didn't even expect that so uh, i'm very i'm happy to see that it's being discussed and, and we have seen new amendments come out of these discussions before and i know a lot of gms they're galvanized they want to take those hits out of the game um so i i mean and i'm hopeful i i I don't expect the best, but I hope for the best. Do, are those can those amendments happen in season, or do they have to wait until next year? Uh, for the most part, I believe they're they're done uh, in off seasons. Yeah, um, I do think there have been sense. exceptions before. The one I can think of off the top of my head is the Sean Avery rule. If you guys remember in the playoffs, yeah, <laughs> uh, when he was waving his stick in Martin Broder's face, that was one where the league said, "Oh my God, we have." To. It doesn't matter. We can't wait till the offseason. We have to stop this now. We have to, the to thing do it next game. The thing that's bizarre about that so is... So they had to do it, right? It, it made the league look like... It made the league look silly what Avery was doing, right? I've got no arguments with that. But what's more detrimental to the game? Something like what Avery was doing or knocking out a star player? Hey, uh, 100% the latter. But it, it, it's so, it's... It's so muddy, and I think the ripple effect on the game is so much stronger than just removing Avery's clown antics uh, that it's it's going to be too difficult to do it in season. Oh, it's something of course. that's going to yeah, require yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of discussion. And and again, it, I mean, uh, during the next lockout, especially when there's time to hammer out. Sorry, I'm already assuming another lockout. But when, I <laughs> say, when when the CBA expires, 
uh, there will obviously be more time to hammer out details in that next uh, CBA, of course, too. It's because it's, I write a lot of articles on the suspensions, and I suppose one of the things that I find most frustrating is the CBA has really locked down how much leeway the Department of Player Safety has in regards to how many games they can slap someone on the wrist with. And it, it, it's particularly frustrating when I think a bigger stick would make players go, holy smokes, I don't really want to you know, put myself in a situation where I might miss 10 games or lose $100,000 and, and things along those lines. And it, it, it's like the players have to take some responsibility at some stage for setting up a framework upon which they can be policed. Because on the ice, it's, it's white line fever. You, you get on the ice and people just lose their brains at times. And you, you, you sort of struggle to understand why the players won't take a little bit more responsibility in protecting themselves. It's so true, and I couldn't agree more. And that's something I've discussed with the league as well. And, and the example I think of is last year when Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith got six games for swinging a stick. And the suspension relative to the rest of the league, I, I argued, was pretty good. It was the second longest suspension any player got last year. But at the same time, is six games a deterrent for anyone? Absolutely not. In a perfect world, I, I would say, and I've, I've mentioned this before to league executives, I'd say, can we triple every suspension? If we want real deterrence, let's let's triple, let's quadruple, let's quintuple every suspension. But the problem, as has been relayed to me, is we have to we have to somehow save the players from themselves. And the big problem is when you have a, a suspendable hit, you have a player hitting a player, and both sides are represented by the NHLPA. So the NHLPA is trying to protect the perpetrator as much as it's trying to protect the victim. So. I don't think we're ever going to see massive bans because just as the NHLPA cares about its own players' safety, it doesn't want its, its players losing a ton of money and sitting out for uh, massive amounts of time, which that is unfortunate. Makes, that makes really good sense. I'd be interested to know of the 30, soon-to-be 31 players that represent the teams for the NHLPA, how many of them are players that are making the hit and how many of them are the players getting hit? in regards to that balance out because the CBA absolutely screwed over players coming off their entry-level deal. Um, and if you have a look at the players that are in the NHLPA that are active in it, there's nobody under 25 that gets a say in what the hell goes on. So I'd be interested to know of those 30, 31 representatives, which one of them are, for to make it black and white, you know, the dodgy ones and which are the ones that are getting hit. Yeah, it's a good point, and I mean, having some younger representatives uh, involved would would be interesting because you'd have players that are sort of growing up in the Rule 48 generation, uh, and ideally players who who understand uh, what type of hits are legal better and and are better educated about concussions, right? Um, so theoretically, I think that younger voice would better represent uh, the safety of the players. I hope that would be true. But you'd hope so. I mean, this is—it's—it's it's quite clearly now a young man's league, unless you are a a physical freak in regards to like Jeremy Agar and, and Joe Thornton, guys like that. It, it's pretty much everyone's peaking offensively around about 25, um, and if you are going to get the most out of those players, entertainment-wise, you need them on the ice and not petrified that they're going to get absolutely clocked it's so true and i mean even though it's not like Sidney crosby's 18 but he's an example that always sticks out in my mind and i, I think he's still going to retire as possibly a top 10 player whoever lived uh, i'm in that camp 
I believe he is. Um, but we're also going to always wonder what might have been because we've seen him miss significant time with concussions, and he obviously had another one this year, and, and they, they compound on each other. Uh, and I'm, I personally, I'm a sufferer of post-concussion syndrome. I know what it's like. Uh, the more concussions you get, the easier it is to get the next one because your brain often, if you, if you have the, the long-term effects, it doesn't recover well. Um, so it, it is a shame, and, and, I, and I fear uh, because the game is so fast, even though we're doing more to police hits, but the game is so fast, the collisions are so much more violent um, that it's possible that we'll see countless other star players who have their careers shortened and kind of leave us wondering what might have been. Yeah, oh, look, that's the thing. It's a physical sport. It's the fastest sport going around. You're going to have errors. I think the ones, the, the most egregious ones are the ones where players go out of their way to intentionally injure someone. It, it's like Gilbert's Gilbert's hit on, on Richie, I think it was around about the same time as the, the Kadri hit, where he went out of his way to drill Richie into the boards and he got three games for it. The intent was there to injure the hell out of him and they could only give him three games because you look at the the history of, of the length of their suspensions, they're, they're probably uh, a slave to their own success in, in some sense in that six is almost the maximum you, you, you can give someone. But So three is about right, but it's definitely not enough. It's true. And the, and the only the main exception being Rafi Torres, who got the big 41-game ban, but how many people did he have to seriously hurt to finally work his way up? That's the baffling thing about it. That, that's that's, the, that's yeah. exactly right. That's the baffling thing about it. Why did it take so many attempts to injure or injuries of other players for him to suddenly get the whole, well, that's it, you're done? Like, what ge- what general manager thinks that that is okay? What what NHL player thinks that what he does is okay? That's the bit that I don't understand. Well, it, and it's it's the contradictory nature of the NHLPA's role, right? Like I said before, with Duncan Keith, it's I think everyone in their heart of hearts knows these predatory hits are awful. But the people perpetrating the hits are still also the ones who are part of the, of the NHLPA. And, they, and I think it's going to put a cap forever on suspension length, especially when you get – I mean, the predatory ones are easier to figure out. But if you get guys who swear that they did something by accident – I mean, uh, this wasn't – this, this didn't earn suspension, but it kind of works as an example. Um, Chris Letang in the playoffs last year had what looked like a horrible slash. But if you looked – at the replay, his stick got stuck on the on the glass, and it, it launched his stick forward. It propelled his stick into the player's head. Um, so, for plays like that, I, I think that's why players still want to protect their own interests as perpetrators, because you do get those fluke plays once in a while. I still think he should have uh, got tossed from that game, actually. Well, tossed from a game and suspended are two completely different things. No, no, no. I know. Tossed from a game thing. is officiating, and I, suspension is, is the. the I don't the think players. that was. A, I don't think that was a suspendable. I mean, it was bloody borderline. You, you, I wouldn't have been. I mean, as a Penguins fan, I'd have been ticked off if he wasn't playing the game after. But I'd have understood why they did that. And it's the, the hit he took on Johansson later in the playoffs as well. That was worth more than the one game that he got too. And, and I don't like the fact that the Department of Player Safety go oh, it's a playoff game, we'll only suspend for a smaller amount of time. If you're stupid enough to do something like that in the playoffs, take the full take the, the full punishment for the crime. I mean, hey, I'd love if that was true, but it's but you're right, uh, what you said before. It's uh, They do weight the punishments in the playoffs. They consider, you know, they, they suspended uh, Nicholas Cronwell for a game seven, I believe, two years ago, right? And so they consider one game seven, 
the weight of one game seven is the equivalent of, of let's say, five regular season games or, or ten preseason games. And again, I'm just the messenger here. I'm not saying I agree no, with that. I'm that. just saying <laughs> that, that's the way it is. Right? It just seems stupid. It's like if there's any time of the year you don't want players uh, getting injured from egregious hits, it's the playoffs. So why on earth make it... Why on earth make it easier for the team to recover if you miss one game and that guy doesn't play again for the rest of the year? It's just, the logic behind it is baffling. It's true. And it's something, I mean, who knows if we'll ever see a change. Um, <laughs> if it's a matter of, you know, it's funny, it's sad to say, but it might take it might take an epic, tragic type of injury. It might take a death. It might take a player being paralyzed, yep. a star player. Yep. Something like that is... And I hate to say it, I don't want this to be true, but if we're really going to see major change, if we're really going to see longer suspensions that deter players for real, um, it may t- it may take something that jarring. Sadly. I think, I think you know, you're an example right. when the oh, sorry, uh, um, an example being you know we the reason why why do we have netting in NHL arenas because yeah, somebody poor Espen Knutson shot the puck, it deflected into a crowd, and it killed a young girl. It took something that jarring to bring about such a change, right? So it, unfortunately, it might take something similar. When it comes to player safety, the NHL cannot consider itself a progressive forward-thinking league. Let's be honest. So, I, you, I, I unfortunately think you're right, Matty. Well, I mean, I, I, but I'm not. I want to make it clear. I'm not that far in the camp either. You know, I, I do think, and, I, and I'm someone. I've spent time in the Department of Player Safety. I went there two years ago. I was in the war room, and I came away very impressed. Um, I do think that there's a, a real misconception uh, with the logic. Um, behind that group and they're perceived as sort of an old boys club who wants old time hockey and I really think it couldn't be further from the truth um, I think they genuinely care and, and they really try to change player behavior um, but at the same time it, it does seem like they're limited by um, the existing league rules um, and, and, and I do agree that nothing's good enough right now the game is not safe enough I would love to see it safer and hits like the Kadri hit I want that out of the game there's no place for predatory hits like that. It doesn't add to the entertainment value of the game. No, and I, I suppose that's what it, what it comes down to for me. I mean, there was a, a great hit by Chris Neal. I think it was on poor old Matt Hunwick. <laughs> um, who, and he just drilled him into the board. You go, that is a clean physical hit. There is a very good chance he'll end up with a concussion because of the head snap and his head snapped into the boards. But they're the type of hits. The puck was only just off his stick. Like, it was all there in the play. And the player knew that 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 um, knew that he was coming. So I mean, like you can't ask for much more than that in in those situations around the boards. It's not complicated. It's just players go a little crazy, and, and there's got to be a way to try and help them not go as crazy as often. It's true, and that that hit of Chris Neal on Hunwick is a great example because I remember seeing that hit and thinking, "My God, what a blow!" Wow, what a hit. And that's a good example to show people who want that old-time hockey, hey, you can still have it. You can still have that hit. We don't want that hit taken out of the game. It's, you're still going to get your blood if that's what you want, but in a clean hockey play. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all, it's all, you, it's all you, you actually need. Um, Matt, I know you're pressed for time, so you're probably going to need to shuffle off in a sec. So go on, do a bit of a plug. Get your gear out. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh we have a lot of stuff going on at the Hockey News these days. We've got Prospects Unlimited, top 100 prospects, including players not even drafted yet in the NHL. We have our goalie issue out, and currently we're working on the World Junior issue, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. 
Cool. Excellent. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, Matt, and um, hopefully we'll get to do this again another time. Absolutely, Cameron. Pleasure. Thank you. And there you have it, guys. That was uh, Matt Larkin. Uh, as I said before the podcast, sorry about the delay and the, the wait um, for the podcast. We're just trying to get our schedule sorted. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get back online uh, rather soon, give you a little bit more than, say, 25 minutes of a podcast. Um, if you have any questions, um, flip them through to us. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to cover them off together as opposed to us individually. Um, but until next time, uh, it's the Hockey Hurts Podcast. You can uh, find myself uh, at Walshy66. You can find Ryan at, at Gunnerstall. The uh, Hockey Hurts Podcast itself is at Hockey underscore Hertz. Check out the stuff that I've been uh, writing at HockeyHertz.com. You've got Ryan on HockeyBuzz.com as well. Um, until next time, catch you later.